0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 60, week 60, volume 60, number fucking 60. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Sean from Thy Art Is Murder and that will be coming up later in the show. So normally we start things off with a bit of questions and feedback to kick off the show and this week surprisingly there has been no questions and feedback. So that leads me to this part of the show where I need to remind you guys and need to ask you guys we really would appreciate and love to make this show not only about us but about you. So to do that, write into us. Send us an email. Send us a message on social media. Get in touch. And let's grow this show more into a community. So that means if you've got some feedback about shows or about guests or about content, get in touch if you've got questions you want answered on air get in touch whatever you want to do you can get in touch through the email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com you can get in touch through the social medias you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter all of those are at the Mosh Zone, or you can get in touch through the website which is www.themoshzone.com The other thing we need to mention at the start of the show is ratings, reviews and recommendations. They're invaluable to helping the show grow. Now, we don't get paid for ratings and reviews and recommendations. But what it does is it works together to get our show out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments today or this week... Not only spread the word with your friends and family about the show, but get on your service that might be iTunes, it might be Spotify, it might be SoundCloud, wherever it is. Subscribe to it, leave us a rating, one to five, whatever it is, and then leave us a review. Tell us how good we are, tell us how much we suck. Whatever it is, write us a review. Now, recommendations, they're done through Facebook. If you go on our Facebook page, you will see a spot there that says, would you recommend this page? Simply, if you've got a moment this week, write a recommendation and give us a rating out of five as well. All of this, guys, is invaluable to helping us grow and become a bigger and better podcast. So enough of my rambling and my jibber-jabber. Let's get on to the part of the show that you're all tuned in for. This week, I got to sit down and have a great chat with Sean from Thyata's Murder, It was a great opportunity to delve in and get to know more about the man himself and the band's career over the years. Really, really appreciate it, Sean. Thank you for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. That chat with Sean is coming up now. Do you remember what age or how you kind of discovered music as a thing? Not necessarily heavy music, but kind of just music in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like um, my whole family is kind of musical. My dad's a he's a bass player and all that, so it goes back way to my. Like, uh, I don't know, I was around ten probably. Hmm. So, let's chase it back. But um, are we on now, or is this?
0: Yeah, I'm recording the (laughs) audio. I can't, I can't see you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you just giving the heads up, but um.
0: Hang on, yeah. We'll start again then. We'll start uh, again. Yeah, I can't. Don't, for my reason. I can't see you. Can you see me?
1: Um, uh, you came up at the very start. Oh, there you are.
0: Yeah, there we are. Um, Sorry, nah, that's all good. Um, all right. Let's let's start let's start fresh. Um, yep. So, do you remember like an artist or a band that? picked your ears into music existing? Like, was it like an Aerosmith? Was it like an Alice Cooper? Was there a band that first brought you to music?
1: Um, probably goes back to, I got uh, two older brothers and they both, uh, they both played. My brother Luke is a drummer and my brother Reese he was a guitarist. So they, they kind of started getting into more guitar-driven music and heavier music. When I was quite young I would have been in in primary school. But like just Metallica and and uh, and stuff like that and went on to get into the more um, new metal stuff eventually. Like my oldest brother Reese, he was into like A C D C and Jimi Hendrix and stuff. We like yeah, stuff with like uh, like guitar music, but my other brother Luke kinda introduced me to more new metal stuff like corn and limp biscuit and um eventually like yeah, Slipknot. And I guess that's kinda where I started listening to kinda more extreme music. Well at the time it was it seemed pretty extreme, like Slipknot was quite heavy for yeah. a for a twelve year old or whatever. But um Yeah, I mean, the first band that I kind of got obsessed with, though, was Incubus. Ooh, okay. So um, I started playing probably around 10, playing the bass, and then um, got a few bands at school going and bands with some other mates. And, yeah, eventually just ended up pretty much learning every Incubus song there was.
0: Was that around science or was that around uh, Make Yourself?
1: Uh, Make Yourself was the first album that I um, that I got, mm-hmm. I think, and um, probably that that tour was one of the first. I think it was the first concert I went to, and that was just before they released Morning View, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: And then I then I backtrack to Science and um, what's the other one? Fungus oh, Among Us. Yeah, and yeah, so. I really liked, uh, I really liked incubus. I still do, but, um, and then it kind of went on to heavier stuff from there.
0: So music was obviously quite a big thing in the household, you know, with your brothers listening to music were, was you mentioned drumming going on in the household. Why did you initially decide to pick up bass of all instruments? Why the bass? Because, you know, some people say it is the lazy version of a guitar, so...
1: Yeah, I think it's because it was the only one really left because mum and dad weren't going to have two drummers because <laughs> they'll never get any peace and quiet. And, yeah, my other brother, he played the guitar, so it made sense that i maybe pick up the bass and then we can start, like, a, a Hanson-type <laughs> situation. <laughs> and also, my dad's a bass player, so he... He kind of showed me some things, and there was always a. I had my dad's bass; they didn't have to run out and buy me a new, a new guitar or anything anytime soon. So, um, and I loved the bass. It was like slap bass. And mm. Just yeah.
0: So, I, so with with learning, was was your dad a key part of kind of? showing you the ropes or as soon as you picked it up, did you take lessons? What was your learning process at a young age?
1: Um, I didn't really get lessons at first. Yeah, it was kind of just like my dad and my brother kind of show me stuff. And like I would play quite a lot of acoustic guitar, Mm -hmm. Um, but just like, uh, so I'd like learn most of the stuff on the acoustic guitar and the bass And I kind of went in, like, after a few years of playing bass, um, started a band where I just wanted to try and play guitar because I've been playing quite a bit of guitar. And, um, yeah, I don't know, I kind of, like, I did get some lessons, but that wasn't until a little bit later when I was uh, in high school because I was trying to go to this um, performing arts school in the city. Mm Mm-hmm and I had to, like, learn a couple of pieces to get in. So then I started going to lessons with um, this sick bass player from the area in Sydney, Mark Costa, and he, he'd, like, play on, like, the Australian Idol show and the band and stuff. It was, like, this crazy session dude. He's still playing. He's cool. But that's kind of when I, I started getting more into, like, the, like, the flashy stuff, mm-hmm. like some, some Jaco and... Um, kind of like, yeah, some fusion jazz stuff and some um, some of the more virtuoso type stuff, but I soon realised it kind of wasn't was for me. <laughs> There's too many people that were sick. I couldn't, <laughs> so couldn't compete.
0: When did you kind of decide that the style you liked musically was more extreme? Because it sounds like just general music was a thing for you, but... When was the moment that you are like right? If I'm gonna play music, it's got to be this aggressive, heavy, obnoxiously noisy shit. When did you decide?
1: Um, it kind of like it wasn't. I wasn't so big into death metal at the start. It was kind of more so, um, like hardcore and metalcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of just because the shows that were happening, like the local shows were bands like that. There was bands coming up from Melbourne and Adelaide and, like, going to see Parkway at, like, Penrith PCYC when I was, like, 16. Like, so stuff like that kind of... if I, I thought, like, yeah, if I wanted to play shows and be in a band, that's kind of what was happening in my circle of friends that were kind of into that music. But, yeah, more so on the, the hardcore side. And then from there, like with the whole MySpace thing, I started checking out bands um, that were in, you know, the top eight of other bands I like. And before I knew it, I was kind of delving more into the grindcore um, and deathcore and um, like brutal death metal stuff. So, I pro- but probably the first heavier band to be like something that I could kind of process was um, like Black Dahlia Murder and like, then I got into like heard, like at the gates and stuff and started backtracking a bit through some of them older stuff but yeah it was kind of the transition from hardcore to like death metal happened quite quick I still like like hardcore and continued to listen to hardcore but kind of the, the group of guys I shacked up with well when I, when I met Lee he kind of showed me a few things, and the band kind of was started not long after discovering those kind of bands. Mm. So I was kind of thrown into thrown into the extreme, um, the more extreme stuff quite quickly, and it was super exciting. Obviously, because I'd never heard music so ridiculous. And then, <laughs> yeah.
0: So you know, in high school, were you? Associating yourself as a metal kid, or as an alternative, or were you just kind of floating around, you know, kind of with everyone, kind of thing?
1: Um, I mean, as far as like the friends I had, I like there was. So I went to a school where we played like um, it was like a performing arts school, and I was playing in bands at school, but it was more so, yeah, like funk jazz stuff and some some rock, but I was playing outside of school on like through the week going like my mum's driving me out to jam twice a week to jam with IR. So it was was kind of a weird, um, weird balance of, yeah, extreme metal and at school playing like kind of the more traditional or like, you know, bass music or like stuff that was, a bit more, um, yeah, classic mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah, the this, this song just like, I don't know, I was playing with some really good players too, like a couple of the guys I still stay in touch with, they're like some of the top players in the country on the trumpet and um, just crazy drummers and stuff. So I was a bit underqualified because I'm not much of a theory guy. So I was like, I couldn't read, but I was just jamming. But all the other guys were, were really proficient for their age but i i found it more fun doing the the metal stuff and it, it was still kind of challenging technically so it was kind of like um yeah it was more exciting i guess I, I lent towards that and also we could play our own music playing in a band like by art whereas doing the other stuff you're you'd just playing other music. people's music and old standards and stuff which was cool, but, yeah, it was more exciting doing the metal stuff.
0: And it it sounds like clearly from a young age you wanted to do music as a career because you were saying you went to the performing arts school. Um, So, obviously, was it encouraged for you to go down the path of having music as a career, or was there ever growing up when you thought, well, maybe I should get a nine-to-five job in case or you know or was it always music's going to be what I do
1: um I was pretty lucky in the sense that like dad being a muso and mum loving music they they always supported my like pursuit of making music a full-time thing for me but I mean there was a there's a period like I did have to go and get a job like leaving high school just a shitty warehouse job but I, I didn't go and study or anything. I knew that like uh, working in a, a warehouse wasn't something I wanted to do. So it was kind of nice because it made me realise that I don't want to get stuck in a shitty job like that. So it probably pushed me a little more to make things happen with the band. And it was kind of easy. Like As you get older, it's probably harder to focus your energy and get something started. Um, but at the time, it was just my only option. It seems. So.
0: Yeah, so you kind of thrown in the deep end in a way. It was yeah, sink or swim.
1: Yeah, and luckily, the um, like pretty much straight after high school, and even like, even in high school, I remember like, we we went away to play shows, and that was like the week of my HSC. Fuck. <laughs> and I, I was only seventeen, and it was we went up the um, Queensland. With the bride who became like Hellions, yeah, yeah, and CJ's old band, Evolver, Mm -hmm. and like looking back, I'm thinking, Mum, yeah, Mum and Dad are like legends for letting me go because I don't think many parents like the week of the HSC exams would let their 17 year old jump in a van with all these other young dudes and take off for the weekend and you know do God knows what. <laughs> so, I really yeah, props to them for for doing that because I like if if they weren't as supportive, then you know if there was pressure to be like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go and study or think about getting a real career going? You know, I might not have um, might, might not have pursued it as as hard as I did.
0: Yeah, it's those little, it's the hindsight of looking back, it's those little pivotal moments of support um, that probably weren't recognised at the time that have helped spur you on into the position you are today because, I mean, who knows where you'd be if you didn't get that opportunity to get away that weekend.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even still, like, when, um, you know, I'll not so much recently, but over the years when you're like, oh, you're not making money and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I'll give it another give it another year or something and see, see what happens. And my parents were always like, oh, you're going to know when enough's enough. And mm. they're still like that, you know. So it's good because yeah. I know not all, not all kids or teenagers or whoever have that support. Their parents think it's kind of silly to, to chase a dream like that.
0: Yeah, it's the core foundation that is um, amazing that you had. Um, Now, you mentioned in there kind of the start of Thy Art, and, you know, you guys formed around 2006, and you kicked things off with the three-track demo. Was that demo at first just so that you could get some shows? It was kind of that thing of, like, if you want shows, you have to say, this is what we sound like kind of thing?
1: Yeah, pretty much. We just needed something on um on MySpace. <laughs> so <laughs> we went and did a couple of songs. And then we started playing shows and like people really they knew the songs and stuff and it's like, Oh, we're like one of the slowly becoming one of the bands that we went to go and see, you know? Or and it especially locally in Sydney it really took off and before we knew it we'll kinda run around the country. But yeah, those two, those two. I would have been sixteen when we did them, and it was it was just cool to have your own your own songs mm. out there, and people being into it. And then the show started getting really good, you know. So well, that that
0: that first imp, EP, Infinite Death, kind of seemed like it really propelled you straight out there. You, you know, you guys were kind of instantly on the grind, hardworking band. Um, you were getting attention that you needed to build a fan base. Um, Was it a really exciting time for the band or was it really um, an uncertain time for the band? Did you feel like things were out of nowhere rolling in the right direction or was it still uncertainty?
1: Um, No, no, we were all pumped because we started getting, like once it was out, we were getting a bunch of, Attention online from overseas and stuff, and then would start to see have like videos in like the the top ten breakdown videos (laughs) on YouTube of like (laughs) with bands that we idolized, you know. So it was um we didn't realize till later that it was a bit of like a like a bit of a cult classic in the underground deathcore world, but you could tell that it was that things were happening. In Australia, because we were touring, like, mm. and um, we started like touring with bands we listened to and and stuff, and it was I don't know, it just kind of kind of took off, and then there was all this hype, um, so we didn't really know what to do. We we just played, and then we had no money to do an album, so we had to record The Adversary ourselves, and then it still kept kind of. Kin- Continuing to grow, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. When you're that age, you don't really question it. Mm. Yes, you're just super pumped to be doing it, and I had like no responsibilities and all the time in the world to kind of put my energy into it. And everyone did, so yeah, well, yeah. I wouldn't say it was like it was never a point where we were kind of uncertain with what we were doing or how the band was going, but it was still kind of small compared to like how serious it is now for us.
0: Yeah. And you, you also had the period of changing a vocalist, you know, in came CJ, um, was at the time bringing in CJ through that you knew him previously from other bands or was it kind of, did you do tryouts? Um, how did the initial link up, Happen for you guys with bringing him on board
1: so we um we used to rehearse at this studio in mount Druitt called um sweet leaf and evolver cj's old band they would rehearse there too and i remember seeing like their name around in like there was this street press called the drum media in um in sydney and like i'd i'd read it every week and i'd always see their name like either playing shows or or whatever so we were kind of like oh these these are like kind of dudes we looked up to because they were like old, a couple of years older than us and they were playing shows, like playing the Metro and stuff. and So we would we'd rehearse at the same place and would always hear, C would be out like having a break whatever and would hear them and CJ just sounded ridiculous, like this big, powerful dude and he was pretty like, he was, he was a legend. Like Even though we were a bit younger, he would hang out and he was real funny and like super friendly. And when uh, Brendan left, we just thought oh and by this point we'd played a few shows with him and I think die art were going had a bit more going on than Evolva. So we put it to CJ and he he kind of jumped ship and um, but he, it was kind of hard at the start for him, even though he was great, there was like everyone was always comparing him to to Brendan at mm. the start. And, like, that went on for, like, a few years and eventually CJ fucking blew him out of the water. Like, even though he was already better, it took a little while, I think, for our fans to get over Brendan, even though CJ was way sicker. It's just because I think Brendan had this, like, with all the, the lyrics and it was, like, pretty ridiculous. So he had, like, a bit of a weird following on the... Online, yeah, so more like the the same kids because they loved all the like stupid like of a chainsaw shit, which was like it was fun at that time. But it it, it was
0: a bit weird that there was that thing because it's almost that cult following of people that don't want change or they want things to stay the way they were, um, and that would have been really hard for CJ at the time, but also for you guys, because you're saying, look, we're moving forward. This is the next us. Um, and also I know that, you know, you guys have stopped playing songs off that EP, but I guess it's still hard because you probably, are you getting sick of people saying, can you play Hall with a chainsaw? You know, can you play this one, play that one? I mean, is there ever a point that you guys are like, look where we are now where, you know, this many albums deep, we don't need to go back and play that 2008 stuff anymore.
1: Well, for a while, yeah, it was like a – because um, Andy wasn't in the band when we did that stuff. And I think, like, he came in and he's like – he was keen at the start, but after a while he's like, we got to stop fucking playing these songs. And, like, he just didn't like them, which is, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. But I was like – it took a little – What my thing was I wanted to play some of them at the um, kind of the start of us touring internationally because – If there was any fans that listened to us from back then and they hadn't had a chance to see us because we hadn't toured overseas yet, I just wanted to make sure that um, people got to see, you know, maybe, like, their favourite songs of ours. At least give them a few chances Mm. to see the songs played live and after that we clipped them because it's like, if they hadn't seen us already, then they missed the bow, we're not playing them anymore. And then... The songs were better anyway. We had better songs to play, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you still get the people hounding you though?
1: Yeah, yeah. Every now and then, someone yell out, "Oh, a chainsaw!" And we just like ignore them, or CJ just tells them to shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is like you said. Like, I, I mean, I've seen you guys. You'd probably be racking up into the the double figures, and like you said, like if you've seen you guys. A couple of years ago, you would have seen it every time you played. Like it was, you know, near the end of the set. So if you haven't had a chance, then that's all right. But the songs now, yeah, yeah, the songs now have progressed to a point where you don't need to hear the old one. There's plenty of slamming shit on the new stuff. So just listen to that.
1: Yeah, and stylistically, it's not really the same. And also, um, the lyric, like the 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 content. content, is a bit, you know. It's Not really what we're about, like we, I never was, but it was like the the old singer did it, it was like a shock value thing, and like it kind of helped the band get to where it is, I guess, or initially. So I was like, I just ran with it, but now, like, as I got older, but it was obviously like too ridiculous to be serious, but there's still mm. people that like we had to have a sit down in Leipzig, Germany, one night because they didn't want us to play because of all this stuff all the old material, like what <clears throat> what we are singing about. And we kinda they wanted to have a sit down, it was like super PC venue. And we just like I was just kinda saying what you've never like heard of cannibal corpse or anything. Like mm. what do you what do you want me to do now anyway? Like it's already been done. And like they and but you can't go back in time and fucking change it obviously. Yeah, but but we think,
0: just don't play them anymore. No, and I think that it's, it's the right thing to do in this day and age. But also, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to say that, look, that was the time of that time. I mean, bands were doing that then. I mean, there's still bands that do it now. You know, the slamming death metal bands that do it all the time. Um, it, it was around. There's Cannibal Corpse that do it. All the bands were doing it then. So, um, but not doing it now shows the maturity of the band and where, they are, where you are now it's It's simple,
1: yeah, and also now we're thinking about like some real life mm. stuff and stuff that's relevant to people this day and age, and like I think it's way more um relatable, and you can actually be passionate about the message rather than trying to shock everyone with ridiculous stuff, you know
0: yeah <laughs> um, so you got you mentioned just before there you know you had the adversary. Um, album come out and that was around the time you started to get overseas a bit Um, the hard working ethic was still going on still in a way you were still champions of the underground in a way Um, then everything seemed to start taking a twist for the bigger and better around the time of hate Um, you guys even went to America to record it all of that what was it like for you guys going into that album? Was there a lot of um, anticipation and expectation that this could really send you guys to the next level?
1: Um, I, I guess we hope hoped so. We, we just knew that to take it to the next level, we would just have to do what we saw other bands do. Like, for example, like Parkway... Go and record with Adam D. For like killing with a smile. We'd seen stuff like that. We're like, all right, we got to go and record with someone in the states, I guess. Um, And then we found Will Putney. Mm -hmm. um, It was actually suggested to us by our old um, manager, Michael Crafter. um, And yeah, Crafter. And he um, he actually did. He was he got us our first European tour and booked us in with Will. So like the short window. That he did manage us, he actually like made some key moves for us.
0: Well um, done, Crafty.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> shout out to Mickey C. But um, it wasn't until the album was done. Was like, holy shit, it's fucking actually sick, and it's a little bit different to what is going on in because deathcore had kind of dropped off, mm. and we're still playing our like we'll we're, we're still stoked to be doing it. We're like, fuck, deathcore's is kind of dead in the ass of it and but we off the back so we did that in one trip we went to europe to a tour with war from a harlot's mouth and we'll playing the adversary songs and then we went straight to record because we had to do it in one trip because we couldn't afford to fly you know to have two big international flights for the five of us or whatever it cost too much so we um <clears throat> we locked it in and we had to even like we borrowed some money off our of our parents or whatever to to make it happen. And we'll hooked it up super cheap for us. Like,